You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. the robe around him and he says welcome home my son you were once dead but now you're alive you were lost but now you're found and he restored him back to his original self back to his original place in the family and God wants to do that for us he wants to do that for anyone who has a heart that would be wide open to what he wants to do anyone with a heart who says yes Lord please restore me you have a heavenly father who's saying I'm waiting for you to turn your hearts over to me You are never too far gone that you can't turn back to God. In today's message from Pastor Dave, he teaches that just as the prodigal son was welcomed home by his father, so your heavenly father welcomes you. If your heart is seeking to be restored back to God, know that he will lovingly do this for you. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of Acts chapter 3 as he continues his message, Times of Restoration. Repentance takes place in the heart. I get this from Psalm 51, verse 7, when David is pleading to the Lord after he was found out about his, his sin with Bathsheba. He's pleading to God. And listen to what he says in verse 7. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These, O Lord, you will not despise. God is looking for true repentance, and true repentance comes from the heart. Oh, you can be outwardly sorry. You can be outwardly regretful. You can be outwardly remorseful. And you can resolve never to do it again. But what does your heart say about the sin? What does your heart say about the things in your life that you're doing that you know are against God? God's saying, rent your hearts. Rent your hearts. Get right before me. You know, this speaks of a real desperation before God. It's sad that many times God has to bring us into this desperate area before we will rent our hearts open. Have you ever been desperate before God? Have you ever gotten down on your knees and been desperate before God? I have to admit, there have been several times in my life where I have been desperate before God. And my heart was breaking for the sin that I was in. And I was crying out to a loving, living God because of my destitute and desperate situation that He would do something. And I can testify to you that every single time I cried out, He met me in a most dramatic way. He was there when I cried out to him, and I said, Oh, Lord, my heart is aching for you. I want to be right with you, and I want my life to be an example of your love in my life. Help me, Lord, for I am helpless to do it myself. Boom, he's there in an instant. God meets you right where you are. In the middle of a sin, in the middle of desperation, God meets you. We need to know that. We need to know that we can always return to God, that we can always come back to God. You've never gone too far away where you cannot return to the loving God. We'll talk about that in a little while. But as we continue to look in this scripture of Joel, specifically in verse 13 when he says, God is gracious, merciful, slow to anger, great in kindness, and he relents from doing good. Wow, do you get a beautiful picture of God's grace? Do you get a wonderful picture of what God is doing in our lives. He is slow to anger. He's gracious. He's merciful. Nothing but kindness. 
and he relents from doing harm. Do you think God wants to send his wrath upon the earth? No, but he will because his judgment is righteous. His judgment is true, and he needs to make atonement for the sin, and you're going to pay him either one way or the other, and you either face God's wrath or right now you have God's grace. He will. A beautiful picture of God's grace. And truly, God has suffered a long time with the nation Israel, but he will restore them again. We read about this restoration process in the New Testament. Look at the writings of Paul when he writes to the church of Rome in the 11th chapter of Romans. In the 11th chapter of Romans, he says, blindness has happened to Israel in part until the fullness of the Gentiles have come in. We're going to talk about that part in a minute. Israel is blind until all the Gentiles come in. We'll talk about that. And so it is written that all Israel will be saved. For there shall come a deliverer out of Zion, and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. Romans eleven twenty five and 26. He says God will make restitution to the nation Israel. When? When the fullness of the Gentiles come in. When we've been raptured and we're out of here, when the age of grace is over, God will now turn his sights on Israel, and there'll be a seven-year period where he deals with the nation Israel. It's called the tribulation, three and a half years. The second three and a half years is called the great tribulation. A time of great sorrow. A time of woe. A time when the earth will be in a holocaust like it's never seen before. But God will mainly do that for the nation Israel. He devotes seven years to them. Remember, seven is always God's perfect number. It's a number of completeness. And at the end of those seven years, God will have completed the restoration of Israel. And Jesus will return to earth. Jesus will return to earth on Mount Zion, on the Mount of Olives, and split it in two. And Jesus will return. Jesus even speaks about this. Jesus even speaks about this process in Matthew 23, verses 37 and 39. Jesus is speaking to the multitudes, and he's speaking to his disciples. He says, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I've wanted to gather you together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. He's talking to Israel. He's talking to Jerusalem. See, your house is left desolate. For I say to you, you shall not see me no more until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Israel rejected their Messiah. Israel rejected the one who came, the anointed one, the holy one of God. They rejected him. Peter goes on to tell them that even Moses spoke of Jesus. Moses foretold of the Messiah who would come. Look what he says in verse 22 and 23, back in Acts 3 now. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. Him you shall hear in all things, and whatever he says to do to you. And it shall be that every soul who will not hear that prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. He says, Moses said this back in Deuteronomy 18, verses 15 and verses 19. Moses said, there's going to be another prophet who comes along. These people knew of Moses. They knew of Moses. In fact, the Jewish today still revel and believe that Moses is their deliverer. Why? Because they're still waiting upon the Messiah. They don't relate, as these guys didn't, that Jesus was the Messiah. They're still waiting for someone else. They've been blinded. Remember what Paul said. They've been blinded. They are cast over their eyes, and they can't see. They've been blinded. It says, every soul who will not hear the prophet shall be utterly destroyed. And you know, this destruction in prophecy would become a legacy for this generation. Because many of them, many of them failed and rejected Jesus many, many times. Today, Israel is still rejecting the Christ. They're still rejecting their Christ. 
And we have beautiful people like Gabby who came down and did our Seder last year and Carol Booth. These people belong to Jews for Jesus. And when you see them and when they speak, there is such an aura around them of wonderful completeness because they are true Jews who have accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. And they are completed now. God has fully restored them into His kingdom, fully given them hope now in Jesus Christ because they recognize who the Messiah is. It's Jesus. This blindness that Paul spoke about in Romans has happened to Israel. It's happened for most of them. There's some of them that haven't been blinded. Yes, some of them have come to the knowledge, but for the most part, God has to open their eyes because they haven't seen the truth. They cannot see the truth. And we talked about Carol Joseph. We talked about Gabby Goldstein. What wonderful evangelists these people make. They make great evangelists because they've come full circle. Here we have a chosen person of God who now is complete because of Jesus Christ. But Israel doesn't know their own scriptures. Israel relies more on tradition than they rely on scriptures. You show them the scriptures. I've had conversations with Jewish people before. You show them the scripture, you go, oh, that doesn't mean that. And they'll tell you about a tradition. Tradition. They'll tell you about a tradition that's more important than the message. It's more important than the commandment. Jesus is not happy about that. Israel thinks that by works they will get to heaven. By works they will be saved. The Bible says in Galatians 2.16, by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. God is going to restore Israel. He's going to put his spirit upon Israel, according to Ezekiel. At the time when God destroys these invading armies coming from all over the world, God is going to put his spirit upon Israel when he destroys this army. He's going to put his spirit upon them, and he's going to begin to deal with them in the last seven years of the world. God is going to do a work. As I said earlier, I believe that there's two applications to this verse, times of restoration. One, and most definitely, it is for the nation Israel. Don't count that out. That is very, very important. But there are three little words in the ending scriptures that make me, and I know for a fact, that we can hold on to these times of restoration and we can apply them to us. We can apply this times of restoration to us. The three little words you can find back in verse 26 is, to you first. To you first. Let's read 25 and 26. You are the sons of the prophets and the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying to Abraham, and in your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed. To you first, God having raised up a servant Jesus, sent him to bless you and turning away every one of you from your iniquities. As I said, there's a twofold application. Certainly, there's an application for the nation Israel. But there's another application, and that's for the nation known as the Gentiles, and that's us. Anyone who is not of Israel is a Gentile. Peter says that the promise is for the whole world, but it's given to the Jew first. And because they're rejecting it, the promise will go forth into all the world. Doesn't that fit? Didn't the beloved John the Apostle write, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son? It fits. It's perfect. Peter tells these men that, hey, you're sons of the prophets. You know you're partakers of the promise from Abraham. And you know that Abraham, God told Abraham that in your seed, all the families of the world will be blessed. What was he talking about? He's talking about the Messiah. He's talking about Jesus Christ who came from the seed of Abraham. We've learned that in Genesis. We've been studying the seed as it came down from Abraham. Your children of the prophets, he says, and the covenants of God that he made with your fathers. And it goes to you first, Israel, because God has revealed it to you. Paul, the great apostle Paul, who was a Jew, knew this all too well. Knew this all too well because he has this verse in Romans 1.16 when he declares, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power to the God unto salvation. 
to the Jew first and also to the Greeks. Salvation has come to the Jews, but they've rejected it. The gospel came to the Jews first. When Jesus said, wait in Jerusalem, in Acts 1, verse 8, he said, wait in Jerusalem until the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be in my witnesses. Where first? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. These are all where the Jewish people live. These were all mainly Jews. And then when he said, to the outermost portions of the world, thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. When the Jews rejected the gospel, when the Jews rejected the gospel to Paul's face, he turned and said this in 18.6. In Acts 18.6, this is what Paul says to the Jews. But when they opposed him and blasphemed, he shook his garments and said to them, your blood be on your own heads. I am clean. For now, I will go to the Gentiles. Praise God. Praise God. The door was open. The door was open for the Gentiles to come in. Those of us who sat in this huge darkness, now we've seen this marvelous light, and we're born into this marvelous light by being born again in a living hope, in a living hope, as we put our faith, our trust in Jesus Christ. He's our God. We're not His people. We weren't the chosen ones. It was Israel that He chose. But God, through His mercy and through His grace and through His unending long-suffering, has opened the door to allow us to come in. It's God's desire to restore us into a relationship with Him through Jesus Christ, His Son. God wants to bless us. He wants to do good for us. This blessing includes a desire to turn us away from our sins. See, the message of Jesus Christ has not changed. When Peter told the Jews, repent and be converted, it's the same message to us. Repent and be converted. And you think, well, this is a new message. No, it's not. One of the first things Jesus said in His ministry was, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. The message hasn't changed, folks. The message has not changed. Repent. Turn away. Turn to God. The writer of the book of Hebrews, in chapter 1, verses 1 to 4, says this, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in past times to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed heir of all things, through whom He has made the world, who being the brightness of His glory and the express image of His person and upholding all things by the word of His power, when he himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels, as he by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. I love this scripture. Jesus has spoken to us. God has spoken to us by his son, Jesus. Jesus is the expressed image of God, and it says he purged our sin. He purged our sin. He cleaned us. He cleansed us. He took them away. God has made a way back for us. He has made a restoration place for us in Christ Jesus. Christ has purged our sin. He paid the price that we couldn't pay. We're incapable of paying this price, but He paid it. Christ took the sins of the world on upon Himself. My sins, your sins, all sins. The sins of those who don't know Him right now, Christ took upon Himself and died for them. The only difference is they don't know it. And they've rejected it. They've rejected the Christ. Just like God wants to restore the children of Israel who have rejected Him, God wants to restore us to Himself. He's provided the way. When I look at the prodigal son, I see the nation Israel, a nation who has rejected their God because they rejected His Son. They've rejected the true Father, the true inheritance that they've been given. And God wants them to return so badly that He will deal with them directly for seven years by themselves. And it's because of Israel's rejection that we now can come into the kingdom. In John 1, verse 12, it says, But as many as received him, 
To them he gave the power to become sons of God. To them to believe on his name. The Lord wants to restore you. The Lord wants to bring you back into divine favor. He wants to restore you. And then we have a twofold application in this beautiful scripture in Joel, Joel 2.25, where Joel says, so I will restore to you the years that the swarming locusts have eaten. Again, restoring nation Israel. But guess what, folks? God wants to restore the years that the locusts has eaten from our lives. He wants to restore those years. C.S. Spurgeon has a wonderful thing on this. He has a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful quote on this. Let me read it to you. Spurgeon said this, It will strike you at once that the locusts did not eat the years. The locusts ate the fruits of the year's labor, the harvest of the fields, so that the meaning of restoration of the years must be the restoration of those fruits and those harvests which the locusts consume. You cannot have your time back. But there is a strange and wonderful way in which God can give you back the wasted blessings, the unripened fruits of years over which you mourn. The fruits of wasted years may yet be yours. Isn't that beautiful? He will restore the years to you. I've seen the Lord's restoration in my own eyes. I've seen it in my own life. How has He restored to me a marriage that I thought was lost? But God restored it to me. He restored it. When I was helpless to restore it, when I was helpless to love this woman the way she needed to be loved and was supposed to be loved by God's law, I was helpless to do it, but God could do it through me. And He restored those years. And He restored a marriage. I've seen Him restore lives. I've seen Him restore relationships. I've seen Him restore health to people. God wants to restore to you your own life. We serve a God of impossibilities. And there is nothing impossible for God. When you think all hope has gone, God is right there and said, consider Moses. Because we're never without hope with God. Never without hope with God. As we close, let me take it back to the furniture restoration piece. And let's apply it to what the Lord wants to do in our lives. Well, first step is to get rid of the old stain. The old stain? Sin. That's the old stain. Sin has left a crimson stain in our lives. We need to rid ourselves of the stain of sin. We need to repent and be converted. We need to repent and be converted. When we repent, the old stain of sin is gone. It's removed in our lives. And the Lord begins to smooth us out. He takes His sandpaper, which is the Holy Spirit, and He starts to work in our lives. And He starts to sand us. And He starts to shape us and mold us and get us clean again, and continue to sand us until we're perfect. He removes those nicks, those mars, those cigarette burns, those scratches of life, and He takes them and He cleans them all up. He wants to take away those things that are harmful to us, and those things that help us harm others. He wants to take those away. He wants to restore those years. And then He cleanses us by His blood of His beloved Son. He cleanses us, and this is a perfect cleansing because without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. God cleanses us with His blood. And this is the washing process that get us totally clean. And then He applies that final finish. The sealer. Because we are sealed with His Holy Spirit. We are sealed to perfection with His Holy Spirit. Oh, I may not look perfected. And I am far from it. I might as well hang a sign around me that says, under construction. I am far from perfect. But that's not the way God sees me. Because God sees me through His Son, Jesus Christ. And He sees a perfect person. We're sealed with that life. 
Our God is a great restorer. He can take any life, any heart that is open to Him. He can repair it and He can restore it. You might say you've gone too far to return. You might say that. Well, just as the prodigal son, I said it reminded me of the nation Israel. Well, the prodigal son could be any one of us. Any one of us that's strayed too far from God. Any one of us that's walked away. You know the story of the prodigal son. One of his inheritance, and dad gave it to him. And he went out and blew it. He went to town and blew the entire inheritance on unseemly things. Things that he was supposed to be doing. And all of a sudden he realized, what did I do? I can never go back, he said. I can never go back. My father would never accept me. Maybe if I go back and work for him as a servant, as a slave, he'll accept me. And yeah, that's what I'll do. So he gets up enough courage and he starts walking down that long road. It must have been a long walk back for him. It must have been a long walk. It's a long walk back for us. Got to swallow a lot of pride. Got to hurt our knees a lot. But as he was walking back, his head low, because he knew he had rejected his father's love. He knew he had done wrong. And as he was walking back, he heard something. And he looked up. And there, running to him, was his father. Running to him was his father. Look, my son has returned. Kill the fatted calf for the feast. Quick, quick, let's go. He grabs his son. And immediately he takes the son and he starts to scold him for what he did. Nah. He starts smothering the son with kisses that he's returned. He puts the royal ring on his finger. He takes the robe of righteousness and covers the robe around him. And he says, welcome home, my son. You were once dead, but now you're alive. You were lost, but now you're found. And he restored him back to his original self, back to his original place in the family. And God wants to do that for us. He wants to do that for anyone who has a heart that would be wide open to what he wants to do. Anyone with a heart who says, yes, Lord, please restore me. You have a heavenly father who's saying, I'm waiting for you to turn your hearts over to me. And end with this. Whoa, what seemed like a long time ago, I was going to give my very first message at the Atlantic City Rescue Mission. I had never uh, taught the Word of God before, and God had raised me up to give a first message at the Atlantic City Rescue Mission, and I really didn't know what I was going to talk about. I had absolutely no message in mind. I had sat before the Lord, but there was nothing. At the time, both Beatrice's parents and my parents lived in Cherry Hill in Philadelphia, and we would drive back and forth on Route 73 all the time. We're always on Route 73, man. We constantly looked like we lived there. We knew every piece of the road, right? Wherever there. Well, there was this one sign, and it's not there anymore, but there was one sign when you came around the corner. Somebody had placed this great big sign out, and you know what the sign said? The sign said, God is waiting to be wanted. That hit me like a ton of bricks. This is stuff I never saw it before in my entire life. There it was. And that's what I preached my first sermon on at the Atlantic City Rescue. And that's what I'll leave you with, folks. God is waiting to be wanted. He's waiting for you to return to Him. He's given you every single chance in the world to return to Him, and He will continue to give you a chance to return to Him until that trumpet sounds, and we're out of here. God is waiting. Yes, there is something we must do. We must turn, repent. We must turn and change our mind. And we must follow Him. You are Our time with you is running short for today's edition of A Sure Hope. Pastor Dave will continue this journey through the book of Acts when you join us next time. But for now, you can listen to this teaching and others from this series online at assurehoperadio.com. We'd encourage you to download these messages so they are available wherever you are. We know how busy life can get, but there's always a time to pause, even if only for a few minutes. 
Those short breaks could be filled with the study of God's Word and the uncovering of treasures from its verses. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, gaining access to the latest messages as soon as they're posted. Find out more at assurehoperadio.com. If you're looking for a church family and happen to be in the Cape May area, we'd love to have you come join us for a time of worship and Bible study. Calvary Chapel Cape May meets weekly on Sundays at 10 a.m. And we offer nursery and Sunday school where your children will be well cared for as they learn about the love of Jesus. Give us a call for more information. Our number is 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. Thanks for listening to today's message from the book of Acts. We pray you continue to be blessed as you study the Word and that you'll discover Jesus working in your life. Pastor Dave will be back soon for another in-depth look at this New Testament book right here on A Sure Hope.